You all ready to get into Daniel? You know, Daniel is an amazing book. It's one of my favorites in the Old Testament. If you're interested at all in biblical prophecy, you have to go through Daniel. Daniel is the linchpin. It's the key to understanding prophecy in the Bible. It's actually the book of Revelation in the Old Testament. But it has some of the introductory stuff so that when you finally do get to the book of Revelation, you can start to understand some things. So it's no surprise this morning as I teach to you teach you part of Daniel, we're going to also be in the book of Revelation. Remember, Daniel was brought from the captivity of Israel, Judah, to Babylon. He came to fame when God gave him the ability to interpret the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar. And then after interpreting his dream, God gave him some dream of his, dreams of his own. And while Daniel had this dream, he saw f- four creatures coming up out of the Mediterranean Sea. And we looked at three of those creatures last, and we'll look at the next one today. But the Bible tells us what the creatures are. We don't have to guess. And I quote, The four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. The lion we saw represented Babylon. And that's where we started. The next great kingdom after Babylon was the Persians, or the Medes and the Persians. And that was the next creature, the bear. The next creature after that was the leopard with the four heads. The next kingdom was Greece. Alexander's kingdom seized the planet quickly, like a leopard. It had four heads. Well, after Alexander died, four generals took over, and Greece was broken up into four empires. Made perfect sense. So, Babylon, Persia, Greece. Historically speaking, next kingdom, Rome. Let me read to you from Daniel. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from the former beasts, and it had ten horns. All right. The fourth beast is Rome. This verbiage, terrifying and frightening, very powerful, crushing and devouring its victims, yeah, that's Rome. Rome took over the planet, and it was a fierce and brutal empire. And then it says it was different from all the other beasts. Well, Rome was unique in many ways. For starters, Babylon, when they took over the Middle East and controlled Jerusalem and Israel and all that area, they might have been in control for 150, 200 years. The Medes and the Persians, the same. You know, the Greeks stomped on them quick. And the Greeks, they were overwhelmed in no time flat. But Rome... Rome, depending on how you choose to calculate it, upwards of a thousand years they had their empire. It was an amazing accomplishment. And they were fierce and they were brutal. Also, it said that this, well, I guess I got to go back to explain this part to you. Bear with me, all right? When you look at all these dreams and visions and heads and horns, it can get kind of confusing. But I'm going to try to lay it out in a clear way, but you just kind of hang in there with me if you can we got to go back to Daniel chapter 2. Can I have that image up there, please? The dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, that Daniel interpreted, of this giant statue, had a head of gold, and Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are that head. After you will come another kingdom inferior to yours, the Medes and the Persians. After that, and they were silver, another kingdom, bronze. After that, the legs of iron, Rome. But this statue, it didn't just stop with the legs of iron. It went down to toes mixed with iron and clay. Well, Babylon happened, Daniel's present. 
Medes and the Persian, Daniel's future, our past. Happened. The Greeks, Daniel's future, our past. It happened. Rome, Daniel's future, our past. It happened. But what about the toes? That's still our future. The iron mixed with the toes. Because in that dream with the statue, this rock comes and crush, crushes it. Turns it to dust. And it becomes a huge mountain. And it takes over the world. And that's Jesus' kingdom. Well, that hasn't happened yet. So the toes still have not been fulfilled. They were mixed with iron. So it was somehow a Roman-type empire. It's like Rome had two phases. The part that's already passed and a future part. And that's exactly what we see in Daniel chapter 7. We're back to 10. Instead of 10 toes, now it's 10 horns. And we're still dealing with the fourth empire, which is Rome. Same thing. A past already fulfilled and still a future. Here's what Revelation 17.3 says. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. So this beast in Revelation, it's got the ten horns, just like this beast, but it's got seven heads. What are the seven heads? The seven hills on which it sits. There is a city famous for sitting on seven hills. It is Rome. So we are definitely still dealing with with Rome, the city of seven hills. But Rome's past, it had its heyday, it fell, it's done, it's gone. Yes, but it's coming back. Just like the toes, it says this in Revelation, the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. This is our future. This is from the book of Revelation. So everything was past. Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. But somehow Rome's got, I don't know, it's like a, a little hangnail. There's something still hanging on. Some, some little root that's going to spring up again. All right, let me sum up where we've been and we'll go forward. The fourth beast seems to represent a revived Roman Empire. It's powerful, it's terrible, it's got iron teeth. The seven heads represent seven hills, that's Rome. And the ten horns represent ten kings over this revived Roman Empire. And Daniel gives us more detail. And this is kind of cool because what, you, what we're talking about is tomorrow's newspaper. This hasn't happened yet. We know what's going to happen. Somehow Rome is going to revive again. Watch. You can book on it. Don't know how, but it's going to. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one coming up among them. And this horn, there were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Well, I'm sure seeing a horn with a mouth and eyes is freaky. But that's just a vision. The horn represents a leader. So, of course, it's going to have a mouth and eyes. And speaking pompous words. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. So this revived Roman Empire will have ten kings at one point in its history, the future. And after them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. In another passage, it says that three of the horns are going to fall when he pops up. So he conquers three, and then he rules the rest of the ten. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. All right, this leader is going to be known for, one, leading this revived Roman Empire, and he's going to do it by conquering at least three other kings, and then he's going to rule the rest of them. He's going to speak against God, 
So he's going to be an antichrist. And he's going to persecute the saints. For those of you who don't know, a saint is simply a follower of God. Somebody who truly follows God is a saint. This room is full of saints. I know that there's this tradition that a saint is a special holy person who dies and goes to heaven, and then the church says, yeah, yeah, they're wonderful, they were a saint. No, no. According to the Bible, a saint is just a follower of God. So this antichrist, he's going to rule over a revived Roman Empire, speak against God, and persecute believers. And it says he's going to do it for a time, times, and half a time. When you look through Daniel, you can see that a time refers to a year. So time, time, half a time, three and a half years. That's how long he's going to do this. Time, times, half a time, three and a half years. And this lines up with other passages of Scripture that actually give us the number of days that he's going to rule. Now, this is Daniel. He introduces the Antichrist. The book of Revelation gives different information about the Antichrist. Let's take a look. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Well, that's what Daniel said. But Daniel told us it's going to be for three and a half years. It says it in Revelation elsewhere, but not here. So he was given power to make war against the saints and conquer them. How long will the Antichrist persecute Christians? Three and a half years. It's coming. And I wouldn't be surprised if we could wrap the... Israel into that saint's category as well. He was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Ah, so it's not just Israel. He's not just persecuting Christians. He's leading not just a revived Rome. He, at this point, has taken over the world. There is going to be a single world dictator coming. You know, a few years ago, I would have thought, you know, that, that's, that's not going to happen. That's hard to believe. But now, the way the politics are going, I can see that happening very easily. Do you realize, and this gets me so mad, but the United States government is constantly trying to submit itself to the UN. It drives me nuts. It's bad enough that we send our soldiers to fight under a blue helmet and they have to take orders from a commander from another nation. That drives me nuts. But now all these global warming treaties and these arms treaties and taxes from the UN onto the United States. They're trying, and we've got conservative people trying to resist it. But I can see where the world's going. One guy who's got enough power and enough might and enough charisma, he's going to take over the world. Honestly, it's not going to be that hard. I don't know how he's going to do it. You realize we have enough nuclear weapons to destroy the world several times over? Right now, everybody's talking about how to keep Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons. Why do we want to keep Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons? Because they're one of the nations that we think just might use them. And yet, we don't have enough conviction to actually stop them. Every time you pick up the newspaper, oh, they're getting closer, they're getting closer. What are we doing about it? We're going, ooh, they're getting closer, they're getting closer. So just say, somebody says, you know what, we got 100 nuclear weapons, and we're going to take out every major city unless you do things our way. I could see somebody taking over that way. I can. I don't know that that's how he's going to do it, but it's scary what's going on in the world today. This is what's going to happen in our future. This could start tomorrow. I don't know. But it's going to be in the future. He will be given authority over every tribe, every people, every language, and every nation. 
All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. So not only is he going to be a dictator, he's going to be a religious head, and people will worship him. That is, all whose names have not been written in the book of life. Simply put, those not following Jesus will be following him. The world's going to be like a line down the middle, either with Christ or the Antichrist. And of course, he's not going to have a sign that says, Hi, I'm the Antichrist. He's going to be this great world, re- world leader with all sorts of charisma and power and influence. There's a good chance he's going to be the one that stops the war in the Middle East, the conflict that's going on that you read about every day. Why do I say that? Well, because in Daniel chapter 9, it says he's going to make a covenant with these people that will last for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. But in, well, it's a seven-year covenant, but he's going to break it in half, in the halfway point after three and a half years. Interesting how it's all into the three and a half year segment. So, how is he going to take over the world? Don't know. Part of it's going to be charisma. Part of it's going to be force. Part of it's going to be deception. Revelation 13. I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and it talked like a dragon. What's the dragon represent in the Bible? Satan. So this other leader is going to come up, and he's going to talk like Satan. It makes the earth and those living on it worship the first beast. So this creature, this man who talks like the devil, is called the false prophet because he's going to force everybody to worship the Antichrist. How's he going to do that? It performs spectacular signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. It deceives those living on earth with the signs that it's allowed to do on behalf of the first beast telling them to make an image for the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So somehow this beast is going to have this miraculous recovery. He's going to be wounded and yet live. Now he's going to do miracles so that people will think that this false prophet and this beast are the real representatives of God. So I think it was Jose mentioned, or maybe it was Doug, a group of us, it was Doug, were at the mall witnessing yesterday. And we're going to try to go out more often. So if you're interested in joining us, connect with April. She's sitting there over next to Doug. And uh, you can go out with us next time. I wanted to go talk to some of the Israelis I've met there before. You know, I'm Jewish. I've got that connection. And I like building relationships with people. To me, that's a better way of witnessing than just cold cocking some stranger on on the corner. And I've witnessed this guy a little bit in the past. And I wanted to witness to him some, some more. So I sat down. They were having lunch. Perfect timing because he wasn't at his shop. God set that all up. You know he did. So we're sitting down chit-chatting, and obviously our conversation went to what's going on in Israel. And he raised the thing, just like I had posted on Twitter and Facebook uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. How evil is this world when terrorists can launch hundreds and hundreds of rockets into Israel, and then Israel defends itself And the whole world yells at Israel and tells them to stop. Something's whack. It's just, it's all backwards. And he wanted to know my opinion on what was going on there. And I said, well, I think it's it's whack. It's evil. It's it's, as evil as it can get. It's backwards. But it's going to get worse. I said, there's going to be this guy who's going to get the whole world against Israel. I said, this is what the Bible says. All the nations of the earth will gather against Israel. And there's just going to be this guy who everybody thinks is going to be the Messiah because him and his buddy are going to do miracles. See, I'm telling him about this in case 
he's one of those guys that's there watching this happen. I want him prepared. I want to warn him. I'm witnessing to him about the future in case he's one of those guys who's deceived by the Antichrist. And his buddy who was sitting there said, oh, I'd never believe it even if he does miracles. And then his buddy says, yes, you would. If somebody's laying there sick, half dead, and he comes up and touches them and they stand up and he says it's from God, you'd believe it. It's like, wow, thanks for helping a brother out, man. Got one non-believer witnessing to the other non-believer about the truth of the Bible. It was awesome. And I said, and not only will he deceive people, but he's going to hate Jews. You think Hitler was bad? This guy's going to be even worse. I said, I'm warning you, read your Bibles. And that was like one of the last things I said to him before he had to go back to work. Like, wow. Well, the second beast was allowed to impart life to the image of the first beast. He's going to make an idol come alive. If that's not proof I'm from God, what is? I'm taking an inanimate object and giving it life. Well, guess what? That's going to convince everybody. Not you and me. We've been warned. But they don't follow God. They don't know the word of God. They've not been warned. So that the image of the beast could talk and order the execution of those who would not worship the image of the beast. The second beast forces all people, important and unimportant, rich and poor, free and slaves, to be marked on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that no one may buy or sell unless he has the mark, which is the beast's name or the number of its name. In this case, wisdom is needed. Let the person who has understanding calculate the total number of the beast, because it's a human total number, and the sum of the number is 666. Here's the interesting part. It says, in this case, wisdom is needed. You've got to calculate the number of the beast. Well, if it was just a 666 stamp, no wisdom would be needed. So I'm thinking it might be a little more subtle than that. But what's it mean? I don't know. I just know this. Somebody comes around and says, take this stamp, worship that idol, you're good to go. I'm like, no thanks. I don't care if it's 666 or 721. I'm taking it. I don't, no, well, I got the wisdom. I'm good. Now, I believe that I'm going to be out of here before that happens. I believe in the rapture and all that stuff. But just in case my theology is a little off, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking no marks and no stamps, nothing associated with a beast that I got to worship. Not doing it. This false prophet, as he's called, he's, he's the Antichrist's deputy. He's the enforcer. He's the guy that goes around and makes sure everybody does what they're supposed to do and follows the Antichrist. And people will follow the Antichrist. The one guy said, oh, I'd never do that. The other guy said, oh, yes, you would. He was right. Oh, yes, you would. People, the whole world will follow the Antichrist. There will be more people following the Antichrist than Christ. How do I know this? Because the Bible says so. Why would they follow an Antichrist? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons they'll follow him. I'll give you three. Reason number one, people will follow the Antichrist. Is they're going to be forced to. If you don't receive the 666 and worship this idol, we will kill you. So a lot of people who aren't invested in God see that as a, a no-brainer. Die or live, I'm living. That's how the average mind thinks. But you know, God gave us a situation like this in the Bible already, do you remember? And it was in the book of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bow down and worship this idol or we'll kill you. It was a fiery furnace. And they said, no, we're not doing it. 
then we're going to throw you in the oven. And they said, we don't care. We would rather die than worship your idol. And so he threw them in the oven. God was with them that day and decided not to let them die. But he's going to let a lot of people die. And you know what? That's okay. I don't need to do a show of hands. But how many of you think you're getting out of here alive? <laughs> Unless the rapture comes. But for the last thousands and thousands of years of human history, I can count on two fingers who's gotten out of here alive. Enoch and Elijah. Everybody else has died. So the chances of you dying based on history before you go to heaven are 99.9999999.98% or whatever. Nobody gets out of here alive. So if he says, worship the beast or die, like, dude, I'm dying anyway. Go ahead, kill me. I don't care because I'm going to die anyway and I might as well die standing for God and then spend the rest of eternity in heaven then wait, die two years later and then spend eternity in hell. I'm good. Kill me. Right? But not people who don't worship God. They're like, hey, if you're going to kill me and chop off my head, I'll take the mark. I don't care. Why will they follow him? Force. Second reason they'll follow him, deception. I mean, look what the guy did. He made a statue come alive. Only God can do that. This must be from God. He brings fire down from heaven. He was healed from a deadly wound. If this ain't God, I don't know God. You're right, you don't know God. Because this ain't God. But only God can do those things. Wrong again. Didn't you read Revelation and Daniel? It's in there. Third reason. Now, this one's hard to understand. And I'm not expecting everybody will leave this room and understand it. I don't know that I understand it. I know what it says. I know what it means. I'm not sure I understand it. I think I do. So I'll explain it the best I can. But it's true. And it's part of the situation. So you've got to know it. Force, deception, and judgment. Why will they follow the Antichrist? Because God wants them to. Say, say that again, Steve. Listen. Yeah, that's what I said. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. I'm in 2 Thessalonians. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying or deceiving wonders. And with all unrighteousness, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why do they perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is how God works. You remember Pharaoh back in the Old Testament? God sent Moses to Pharaoh. said, it's time to let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. Moses turned his stick into a snake, showing that he was representing from God. He turned the Nile River into blood, showing he was representing God. Pharaoh said, I do not know your God, and I will not let your people go. Pharaoh hardened his heart. There was no way Pharaoh was ever going to do anything God wanted him to do. So God said, you know, I can use a man like you. How? Well, you're going to keep refusing me, and I'm going to let you do it. I'm even going to harden your heart to make sure that you endure long enough for me to use you for my own purposes. It's kind of like having a beater car. And, you know, when I was a kid, my stepdad used to go to these races. 
and they did these crash them up derbies. Now, and they did this thing called the figure eight, where you just go and see who hits who. You didn't bring your nice new car out to the smash them up derby in the figure eight. You brought a beater. But it had to run. You had to make sure that the brakes worked and that the gas pedal worked and that it steered and that it could take a few bumps or you couldn't participate. So you wanted a beater and you wanted the beater to work, but only so much because it was, after all, a beater. Well, human beings can be beaters. God has work to do on this planet. And if you don't want to follow him, there comes a time when he says, okay, I'm going to use you as a beater. That's a horrible thing, but it's our choice. You see, with Pharaoh, God didn't want just Pharaoh to know about him. He wanted all of Egypt to know about him. But he didn't just want Egypt to know about him. He wanted the entire region to know about him. And he didn't just want the entire region to know about him. He wanted the world to know about him. People to this very day, and I'm not talking about just Christians and Jews. People in this world today are still trying to understand the plagues in the book of Exodus. Coming up with what they think are scientific explanations and trying to work. So God wanted to spread his fame. And he used a beater to do it, Pharaoh. Because every time Pharaoh denied to let the people go, God did another miracle, a bigger one and a better one, until eventually the whole world knew about God because of Pharaoh the beater. Yeah, God could have let Pharaoh die in the first plague and then he would have been out of beaters. So, God gives people the opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. But eventually, he says, I'm going to use you as a beater. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. When the Antichrist comes, people are going to follow him because of fear. People are going to follow him because of deception. And people are going to follow him because it's God's judgment. God is going to use them as beaters. Now, what benefit can come from it? I don't know. I just know that as you read through the book of Revelation, God keeps pouring out these plagues, just like in Exodus, and he keeps reaching out to the rest of the people that they might be saved. You know, there's even a part in the book of Revelation where he sends angels out to witness. He does everything he can to grab people. And it's a crazy thing. But when some people get judged it causes other people to fear God and come to faith in him. And when some people get executed for their faith, it causes other people to have faith. You would think it'd be just the opposite, but it's not. Well, listen. Usually when we teach the Bible, it's about what's already happened. We say, learn the lesson of Moses. Learn the lesson. Have faith like Abraham. This hasn't happened yet. This is a warning to people who are not yet experiencing this situation. God doesn't want anybody to be deceived by the Antichrist. He doesn't want any beaters. He'd rather not go to the Crasham Up Derby at all. But if he's got to go, he's going to go and he's going to win. So he's warning people. Believe in Jesus now. And don't worry about the Antichrist later. When you and I get raptured or die and we go to heaven, this is not going to be our concern anymore. But it might be the concern of your neighbor. 
Because this stuff could start, this could happen in your lifetime. This could happen at any time. We just don't know. So, let me tell you everything you need to know for now about the Antichrist. Okay? This being, this person who's possessed by the devil, is going to arise through some sort of revived Roman Empire. Now, I don't know if it means Rome Central with the Pope and the Cardinals coming out riding on, with shotguns and taking over the world. I doubt that very much. <laughs> maybe, maybe a revived Roman Empire with at least ten kingdoms, ten kings. Now, this is scary. What if the United States is one of them? Well, how would we be part of a revived Roman Empire, Steve? Well, Rome spread its influence all the way up to Britain. Did you know that Britain became a Roman province? Who founded the United States? Britain. Maybe didn't discover it, but we found it. We were a British colony here. So we're directly related to Rome. We're an offshoot of Rome. Whoa. People keep saying, Steve, why isn't America mentioned in the Bible? I don't know why it's not mentioned in the Bible, but maybe it is. Maybe we're part of the revived Roman Empire. What a scary thought that is. Whatever, I'm with God. I don't care what you all do. <laughs> He's going to make a three-and-a-half-year treaty with Israel, or a seven-year break it in the half, I, I, however it goes. Remember, he's going to lead ten by replacing at least three. He'll have a deadly wound that's healed. He'll blaspheme God. He'll persecute believers. And through his deputy, do all sorts of lying signs and wonders. Including causing fire to come down from heaven. Giving apparent life to an idol. And requiring people to receive the mark 666 on their forehead or hand, whatever that really means, it takes wisdom, in order to buy or sell. This is a warning. Spread it. Try it as a new witness tactic. Go out there and tell people what tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. Tell people that, you know what? As I think it was Doug or Jose again, I don't remember which one was saying, sometimes people will put it off and they say, well, I can put it off till tomorrow. I can put it off till tomorrow. And Doug was talking about the rewards about today. Well, hey, you can't keep putting it off to tomorrow because eventually you'll be a beater. You keep resisting God, eventually there's nothing left in you to find him. The, hard, the heart becomes so hard, there's nothing left. I'll put it off till tomorrow and your heart gets a little harder. And I'll put it off till tomorrow and your heart gets a little harder. Warn your friends. They're not going to have forever to keep rejecting God. Eventually, God's going to take them at their word for it. Say, you sure you don't want to have anything to do with me? Oh, I'm sure. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure. Warn your friends. They can't push off God forever. Let me get a little crass with you. Scare the hell out of them. That's what it takes. Say, well, I wouldn't want to come to Christ because I'm scared. I did. I came to Christ because I didn't want to go to hell. It was just straight up business. You know, go to heaven, go to hell, pick one. I did. Now, that's the bad news for all the people who are going to be suffering and the people who are rejecting God right now and may not change their minds. But there's great news for those of us who do change our minds, for those of us who do choose the Lord. Listen, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. 
he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. So it's like this competition. Worship God, worship Christ, or worship the Antichrist. But the end result is they'll worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. The people who get the 666, at most, they get seven years. The Antichrist, three and a half years at the height of his power, seven years total. They're giving up an eternity for seven years. That is stupid. Plain up stupid. We will get the kingdom forever. Yes, forever and ever. The sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to us, to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. So I leave you with one question this morning. Will you worship and obey him? And all of God's people said, Amen.